Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email. My guests today from Code Crew, Alexander Malone and Andre Martin. Welcome, Marin Thanks. Martin. Geez, sorry about that. Oh, good. I'm going to call you that from now on. Andre yeah, yeah. Call, him, call him Martin. Didn't you call him Dre a minute ago when we were chatting? Yeah, Dr. Dre. He's uh, not really a doctor, but uh, trust me, he's one of the smartest guys I know. So, you know, might as well just call him that. But Wait, it's a which, pleasure to be on the show. Which of you guys is the jack of all, all trades? That's you, right? Right, Alex? I'm the Link. jack of all trades. He's the master of all trades. The master so. of all trades. And, <laughs> and you've you've teamed up to help a whole lot of companies do more interesting stuff with email at Code Crew, right? Yeah, we got clients all over the, the map, really, doing everything uh, from, what, selling knife sharpening by mail to fashion, you know, anything you can think of, really. Really? Really? Why uh, why email? Why not? Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't think we have enough time to get into it, but myself personally, you know, it's, it's just a really fun piece of the marketing puzzle. Uh, you know, I've done a little bit here and there with other bits and pieces. Uh, but email is just really, I mean, I'm going to sound nerdy as heck, but it's fun. Yeah. It's it when I saw your bio and I quoted it, right? Jack of all trades. And I thought, you know, th that seems to be characteristic of a lot of people who end up working in email because it kind of requires it. Fair? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I feel like it's one of the few marketing channels where you really need to use your brain as well as to try <laughs> everything as well. I, I don't mean in any way to hate on any other you know, no, go ahead. There, but, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> but but you dig deep. I mean, you know, it's not just surface level. There's deliverability, which just is its own beast, goes into a, a crazy, you know, black box of who knows what sometimes. But then there's also just the marketing strategy. There's just the technical pieces on the back end. There's really a little bit of everything. And that's kind of what makes email so much fun. Yeah. And Andre, how'd you end up doing this? Well, you know, I, I think I probably stumbled upon it a very, very long time ago, actually, quite finally. But uh, I think we we have over two decades, Alex and I, combined working in the email marketing space. I used to basically build uh, themes for a CMS back in the day, so programming. And then one thing led to another, and I found myself coding emails. I started liking it. And then from there, I kind of started learning more about the strategy of it, more about the tech side of it. And I remember a time when uh, Alex and I, used to be kind of the last frontier for uh, for a pretty big agency with regards to client uh, questions and the the deep technical space of what might go wrong with regards to any email program. And yeah, that's kind of what sparked the interest to maybe try to do things a bit better because we started seeing a pattern of things that could be improved and things that weren't necessarily seeing enough attention. So yeah, I think that's where we started. But again, it's so long ago that I can't really uh, tell you for sure. It's not the age, man. It's the mileage. Um this this thing about email, I'd be curious your reaction to this. It it's simultaneously deep technical space, but also remarkably low tech compared to other things you might be doing. I mean, you mentioned coding email templates, and we're talking about a what twenty year old HTML standard at this point. Oh yeah, don't get me ranting. <laughs> oh <on> yeah, that. <laughs> uh, yeah. The email code basically is so deprecated that it it needed some love ten years ago. I'm not quite sure what's happening there and why nobody is actually doing something about it. Because you know, like to talk amp for a second here, um, like we'd we 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 we've looked into it for for uh, for ages, and we really wanted to make it happen because it has some really really cool features that can genuinely improve the UI and can genuinely yeah. improve yeah. the way that people are interacting with email. But then you go back a step and you try to look at the compatibility and how many email clients have actually uh, adopted that 
technology and it's so few and far between that long story short it wouldn't ever make business sense to start implementing that as part of the process you would basically be selling overpriced services for nobody to really reap the rewards that amp could truly get to to an email program so yeah again kind of a story of how complicated email can be and then how uncomplicated it can be at the same time now i've got i've got uh, i've got uh, friends and colleagues who, um, among other companies, are at Netcore, a big email service provider who built their market base in India and is now uh, massively trying to move into the U.S. market. Their experience in India, where Gmail is so predominant that AMP is feasible, is that interactive email can have fantastic game-changing results. They're taking that thesis into the U.S. market, and I've chatted with colleagues about it, and and I keep saying, great idea, but Apple. Like, I just don't see it happening. I don't see AMP as compatible with Apple's privacy stance, and that's it. Reactions? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 they're such a huge player that, you know, anything they do counts a lot. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you, you got to follow them to a degree. So, yeah, with that being said, I mean, I, I I'd have to take understands here as well that I don't I don't see AMP really being able to, you know, be as as useful as they once hoped and set out for it to be. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a shame because it's fun. It's cool. It's, it's really fun. It's cool. And we Agreed. were looking into it, you know, just getting nerdy again you know we were having a great time just <laughs> digging into the details finding mm-hmm. everything out but at the end of the day you know the use case just didn't really pan out in the way that what well, it scratches that itch that you know high-tech person stuck in quasi low-tech 20 year old html standard industry gosh i wish we could do this and if we could just do that like you can't not for everybody who's going to open it and that ultimately is probably the deciding factor i'm, I'm afraid Take that from a different spin. Are we ever going to change the, you know, sort of fundamental working modality of email? Do you see a shot in the heck at upgrading the HTML to something more like, you know, today? Well, 50 years, something might happen. Mm. And and I think, I think Google would be a good leader of this. The AMP experiment, which they've led, flopped. Are, by by the numbers, like no offense, technically brilliant, but Spark Post, what zero point four percent of emails sent have a, have a have an AMP message body. Oh, that's not a winning number. So while up uh, changing the HTML platform might seem like a you know sort of a more humble goal, there's still how do you get how do you hurt all of the cats, all of the literally thousands of clients and device combinations along and say everybody use this now. And it's bothersome because you, you kind of touched on it, Dre. The uh, proliferation of of devices, the other places we might, you know, access that particularly important bucket of information, like they're kind of stuck, right? Uh, I guess we'll do it the old way. We'll pull a twenty year old code base off the shelf and make an email client for our classes or whatever else. Yeah. Why? Why do we do this to ourselves? Why? Now you help clients grapple with this. What do you tell them? Well, I mean, you know, I don't mean to to take things uh, in a pejorative uh, kind of fashion, but at the end of the day, anything that the client wants to see is revenue. As long as you're driving revenue, as long as you're careful about what you're doing, as long yeah. as the brand is well re- uh, represented within uh, every single channel that they're running, 
they're not really going to care about the fact that you can or uh, cannot implement AMP in an email. Yeah. And traffics, you might indeed get that kind of 1% to 2% extra by having AMP in your email and being able to use Gmail to kind of have that whole experience going. But I don't think it's a focus right now. And honestly, to your point a bit earlier, I think that as long as somebody creates kind of a, a platform for broader acceptance for, let's say it's HTML5, uh, if it's not going to be AMP. Sure. I think the developers are just in general such a an excited community to, to get things moving that they will be enough to be a driving factor. You know, we see that even internally with our team. Every other couple of weeks, there's somebody from the code team that reaches out to us and says, hey guys, I've come across this awesome thing that you can now do uh, through email as of, don't, don't get me started on kind of, chat GPT and how much we had to we'll get there. Horses. We'll get there. But uh, yeah, basically we always have them reaching out to us saying, guys, let's try this out. Maybe client X uh, would benefit from yeah. uh, doing this yeah. sort of yeah. thing. And yeah, I think it's going to happen because there's so many young folks that really want to be at the forefront of what's happening and do some really cool things. There's, there's a lot of people that do a lot of research and kind of want to make sure that they're involved with the latest, greatest tech. Um, we just need a platform and we kind of need somebody that's obviously a higher power than us to come in and say, <laughs> okay, now this works, have at it. The the standards we're working with now, right, 20 years old, or in some cases, more like 40 years old, they, they, they came from a fairly cooperative moment in time when internet standards and RFCs could could move forward with cooperation from frequently from competitors, academics, and so on. It it seems like in the email space, the pace of new standards has has is really quite slow. I mean, BIMI's the last one I can think of, and it's, you know, it's finally getting there. Like, oh, global effort to put an icon in your email. Gee, many Christmas, right? You look at JavaScript by contrast, and that language has continued as a standard, right? Continued to evolve like dramatically fast. There's there's new stuff frequently that's really important that really changes what's possible. And I don't know how we get the hypothetical committees back together to say, could we talk about HTML5 in email? But I think that's what we'd have to do to really move the dial. You'd have to have the big players you touched on Google, but I think Apple for sure at the table saying, you know what, for all the right reasons, let's move the, let's move this ball substantially forward. Wouldn't that be exciting? It really would. And you know, uh, it's not only that, I, I kind of feel like they're, I'm not sure if they're kind of trying to, to stick it to each other, but uh, let's take dark mode, for instance, because we touched on AMP and AMP not working on Apple. Well, try dark mode on Gmail and see how, how much fun that is. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I just feel like there needs to be kind of a broader collaboration to your point. People mm. coming to a table and saying, okay, we are dinosaurs now in this industry. Let's do something about about making sure that every single device, and again, moving back to just accessibility and making sure that every single device can render an email yeah. uh, beautifully, efficiently, and everything in between. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I'm not going to call out any brands, but some of the biggest, most badass, awesome brands out there, if you check their dark mode or if you check their emails from a place that doesn't really offer Wi-Fi or good enough internet connection, you're going to be so underwhelmed with what you're going to be able to perceive from their, their emails. Even things like 
alt tags, unfortunately, are still missing in action from these yes. huge brands that should yes. know better and should, should understand the fact that if you're in a metro and you're going to receive an email from uh, X brand, you're going to want to at least know there's kind of a BOGO going on. It doesn't matter. You're not seeing exactly the skew on which the BOGO is running because you might remember it for later. But if you're just kind of image not loading, that's all you see. I mean, you're not going to care for more than two seconds and you're going to see about your day. I'm waiting for some, uh, I'm waiting for some lawyer to wake up and realize that the potential for a very big ADA lawsuit Americans Disabilities Act lawsuit for no alt tags is just hanging out there because it's actually the law. You sh you got to have them there, even though people don't. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. There's uh, there's a there's a conundrum and I think it affects email in the digital space and probably in other spaces. You know, a, a strong duopoly, even sometimes a strong monopoly can can move a standards ball forward or a de facto standards ball forward. You know, take the web. Gee, we're, we already mentioned the company that's kind of the monopoly choke point on the web. But if you look at how SEO works and you know what? Google's pushed that forward, right? Because everyone's got a, got a genuflect to be found. There's no monopoly duopoly really in the choke point for email, which is part of what makes it fun, but maybe part of why it's in stasis as well. Mm. So tell me about Code Crew. Um, what kind of industries... What kind of customers you guys work with? Anyone who could see value in email and anyone who we could actually drive that value for them. So, oh, you know, put. it's been rehearsed a million times. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, as, as we said a little bit earlier, we, we work with anyone from, you know, knife sharpening by email, which is a client that we've had for quite a long time. Uh, folding kayaks, which is awesome stuff as well. Standard paddle boards. I mean, you know. Wait, full any... boat? You got those guys? Boat envy. Okay, keep going. But really, any anything that can see value in email, you know, it, it, we've even worked with, you know, pest defense. Uh, and we still do. So there's there's always a use case for email. Um, yeah, right. And and I would guess in B2B, it's even more incumbent where you've got a marketing department handling the the that email cadence. It's more even more incumbent on them to to be useful, valuable, interesting, not just repetitive send. And I can exactly. think of a few brands that that I actually like, oh, okay. And B2B relationship, right? But I'm kind of glad I get their stuff. It's positive. I don't automatically delete them. And in yeah. a long time, they are, they're top of mind for that particular service. Maybe it's what you're saying. Exactly. And for instance, we've got an events brand that we work with and they have a D2C side, but they have a B2B side as well. And mm -hmm. I mean, you're not going to need the salesperson to reach out to HR five times a, a month to see if they want to do anything. But as long as you remain in that HR person's inbox every yeah. so often. They're going to know who you are. They're going to know about you and you're going to be top of mind. They're going to find out what are the latest, greatest, best events that they can schedule for their teams. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's a win-win, you know, because again, I think we are now in, in kind of an age where everybody is so overwhelmed by the amount of, uh, you know, content and messaging yeah. and yeah. everything that you receive that yeah. being able to take that half step back and not having somebody actually call in, but having the client call you when they need something is probably uh, a more organic way of generating business. I do find myself not concerned because nothing I'm going to do about it, but I scratch my head about the attention scale problem that we're all facing. Me touched on it, right? How many messages in your inbox from how many different entities and somehow magically you're going to keep track of them, think of them as relationships. And, you know, the temptation to commit email suicide and select all delete. 
Sometimes it's there of a Monday morning, like, oh, I'm never going to get this sorted out. And we all soldier on. We try new tools. We try new inboxes. And we keep, you know, like, oh, you think you think AI is going to come along and say, let me deal with this for you. You think? Oh, man, I think Andre and I are both, you know, the uh, the bitter old man in the room when it comes to AI. You know, it, it's so new. I know we're at a crossroads. There's so much for it to, to potentially become, you know, for good and for bad. Yeah, but uh, I'm just going to say right now, I, I don't think that it's going to be the driver that people hope for it to be in terms of email. So especially in content, uh, I know that, you know, every time that I see AI on my Instagram feed or just anywhere out there, content seems to be the first place people are going to. That being said, you know, there's there's a very fine line between really providing content that's truly, truly valuable to the contact. And I'm sure AI will get there at some point in time, potentially in a few years. I, I'll, you know, we'll all see at the same time whether or not it actually gets to that point where it can seem as if it's an actual conversation with an actual brand, yeah. which is something that, you know, we can do now as humans. Humans are always going to communicate best with each other. Um, so I, I don't see AI really helping in that regard. As far as you know, what else it can do, you know, the like, uh, what is it, Midjourney, I think it is, you know, with the photos, so on and so forth, the visuals, thank you. Potentially it could help there quite a bit. But that being said, you know, at the same time, if you're a brand, you know, let's look at e-commerce, you're going to want to push your product, your image as best as possible, very clearly. And I don't see that really being something that that AI has to strengthen at this point in time. Again, you know, I'm also just the cynic in the room. I uh, we'll see what really happens. Listen, you you kids don't get to play the age card with me. Andre, you on the same boat? <laughs> I really am. You know, let's let's take a few steps back. What's marketing about? Like 101. It's storytelling. And we're seeing it as of the last I think decade. Uh it's not a new thing anymore where brands are definitely positioning themselves. You need to have an angle. You need to have a mission more often than not. Otherwise, people simply stop caring about what you're doing. And so when you take that and you take AI, yeah, we have seen people kind of tell us uh, we're using AI to generate descriptions for our products. Like, you're not fooling anybody. I know you are. Like, I can tell. I've recently actually quite finally received a, a happy birthday message that was AI generated. It was too much. It wasn't good enough. I'm going to be honest. I would much rather prefer just wish you all the best. Happy birthday, man. Uh, and that's it, yeah, you know, yeah. rather than this kind of resounding congratulative message that was clearly not written by somebody with their own mind. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest here. I think that with that whole component of storytelling behind the whole idea of why we're running marketing in the first place, you're going to need to input so much information into that AI for it to actually be able to to tell the story of you, of your brand, of your uh, company, that it's not going to be able to to do that efficiently. And uh, it might be too much to bother in the first place. Like if we are, for instance, at CodeCrew to write a blog about the newest technology out there or the newest something in email, we have a very specific snarky tone and a very fun way of making puns and being being you know, funny, smart, hopefully, yeah. uh, or just um, just annoying sometimes maybe, that I don't think an AI would ever be able to take over that component from our team and uh, have the same amount of, of uh, fun and uh, just engage as well as we can with the content that we're putting out. So yeah, maybe again, we're, we're too cynic with it and maybe within a few years time, we're going to all be deprecated and 
you know, maybe that's a, a talking point and a thinking point as well for us in our team to start learning how to cook or something. But uh, I don't think it's going to be that fast, hopefully. I'm going I'm to argue with one argue with one thing you, you just said. I think the reason you have the view you have on AI is because you're not cynical about email. Because you actually think it can work if done well, sincerely, can actually be a channel for connection, brand building, communication. Yeah. And that using a big filler called an AI yeah. engine to to not actually do that job is is BS and isn't going to work. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I keep hearing uh, people sing uh, kind of the, the death song for email for the past 12, 15 years. And yeah, here we are uh, <laughs> yeah, here working we are. <laughs> hard for brands, still averaging, you know, between... 20% on the low side to 45% on the, the high side of overall e-commerce revenue. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Re yeah. Replace us. Do yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Good. Good luck. Good luck with that theory. Uh, just, just to sort of close off on AI, cause I'm sure we could spend uh, an hour on that. If I were going to articulate my concern about AI in the email space, it's that the amount of crap and filler done poorly is going to climb because people are are cynical about email and not actually sincere about it as you guys are, that that inbox overload, look, how much of your inbox overload honestly comes from crappy mail merge? One of the reasons, this is intentional, Shh, I'm giving away trade secrets. One of the reasons I put Dr. Matthew in the, in the first name field in LinkedIn is so that I can spot the BS. When I get a, an, a mail merge that says, hi, Dr. Matthew, delete, right? Why? Duh. Because a human being would have spotted it. But the, the crappy mail merge just grabs the first name field and sticks it in the template and sends it to me and expects me to act on it. Eh, kiss my backside, right? And we're going to get that more cleverly tarted up from AI. And I suspect getting your signal to stand out from the noise is going to get harder. My concern is that the, the looks legit noise level is going to rise and that is kind of incumbent on us in the field to say that shouldn't be okay. It's like professional standards, call it what you want, dignity, you know, not being cynical about the channel. We shouldn't stand for that crap. But we're, but the temptation to cut that corner is always there. That's why we've got a spam industry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's gonna be a challenging time. I mean, you know, I, I feel like any business out there is always looking for the best way to be as efficient as possible. But that being said, you know, weigh it out you know make sure that it isn't to the point where it's so efficient that it's you know just very 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 low quality and i think actually tying back to ourselves here at coker you know one of our founding uh missions was just to make sure that you know we we do as custom as best as possible and i think that actually probably will help us quite a bit when ai takes over the world dominates whatever you want to call it and that's you know every single email that we do here is very specific to that brand that company that yes. message that they're trying to get out and I feel like, you know, you will be able to spot the differences between very bespoke emails and yeah. programs as a whole versus obviously AI generated or obviously, you know, lower quality, lower key, trying to get more of the mass emails out there without really having the true beauty and value that's in a good email program. Yeah. And and, and then I'm going to, I'm going to like, take your hand off the mouse and stop talking about AI. Cause like I said, we could go on about it for an hour, but we're at the beginning of this, right? This will evolve. We'll all keep discussing it. We'll try things. We'll throw things out. We'll say this is good. This is bad. There's a whole lot of speculation at the moment, isn't there? There's a whole lot of 
there's a whole lot of storytelling to today's point about AI and we're kind of competitive narratives and we don't really know the answer yet. So let's not talk about AI anymore. Let's let's talk about code crew and customers. What's what do you find yourself with a new, let's say hypothetical new client? What do you find yourself saying, oh man, I knew we'd end up having to help them with this? Deliverability more often than not. You know, okay. yeah, a bit earlier you actually were, uh, I thought you were going to go there, but then the, the discussion went a bit sideways. So often we jump into accounts and, you know, sadly, not necessarily self-managed accounts or team-managed accounts, sometimes even agency-managed accounts. And you see your kind of regular 25 to 50K email list be sent probably an email every day or an e definitely five emails a week with no segmentation involved. And I mean, let's face it, guys, nobody wants that amount of emails. I don't care if you're, if you're selling <laughs> pans or if yeah. you're selling sneakers, nobody wants to receive an email every single day from you guys. We've even seen clients that are sending three emails every single day without any sort of segmentation. I mean, that's enough to drive anybody insane, quite quite simply. And we need to obviously come in and uh, and take a look at the, the, the root of the cause. And the problem is that you're fighting with kind of an email program that was really successful, let's say a year ago, and they were making X amount of revenue. Now, they're making the same X amount of revenue, but they are coming off of a very dangerous peak of sending way too many emails to 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 nail the same amount of revenue. Gotcha, anymore. gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So how do you scale back from that amount of emails <laughs> and then not take a very severe revenue crush when you're doing it? And that's more often than not the challenge just beyond making sure that you're nailing inboxing in the first place, you know, even like inboxing checked, we're, we're good to go. We are healthy as can be. What are we going to do now with the immense number of dollars that we were supposed to kind of be able to capture, but we can't anymore because these guys are just through the nose tired of your emails. And that's, you know, every so often we get the lead that says, I don't need an agency for email. Email is too easy. And then Sooner or later, you you kind of take a look in their account, you subscribe just like anybody would, and you start seeing some, some problems that are clearly ones that anybody in the business or anybody following decent benchmarks would definitely kind of recommend that they stray away from. And, you know, there's always the the one person that feels a bit too big for, for actual experts and for them to come in and uh, advise you on what to do. And unfortunately, more often than not, that kind of impacts deliverability, which is something that's really hard to come back from. Like once you've it's screwed true. up yeah, your deliverability true. and you're hitting so many spam lists and block lists that you can't really understand what's going on where. And uh, you brought up Spark Post a bit earlier. It's just, there's a lot of work to come back from there and uh, it can all be avoided through decency a lot of times. Through through what? Decency? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, back to that sort of root thread from you. Um, you, 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 you touched that in describing some of the uh, overgrowth problems you've seen. But there's that funny, ignore the email program, and then if it's working, do this back of the envelope math. Oh, if we send twice as much, we'll make twice as much. No, it actually doesn't work that way, right? I am not going to buy four pairs of shoes because you send me, you know, four emails a week. It's just not going to happen. There's a natural limit, tolerance, appetite, market, whatever you want to call it, to what people are going to do. Deliverability is such a black art, though. Lordy, lordy. 
What a mess. As unfun as it can get. <laughs> as fun as it gets. I mean, I've had some real deliverability whizzes uh, on his guests, uh, Yanatoria Sprocky, you know, Matt Vernout, folks like that. And, and it's like talking to the wizard behind the curtain, like, oh, God. But screw it up. And as you kind of touched on, it takes a long time to recover from the damage. What do you mean no one can open our emails? Uh, no one's even getting them. That's that's the cost of that particular screw-up, right? Hmm. Okay, deliverability, assumed problem when someone who comes in the door, for, or, or at least opportunity for growth. What else? I'd say that that's usually the main one. Um, but hand-in-hand hand with that, we see list issues. Uh, oftentimes, we'll see, we'll see clients coming in the door with contacts just hiding out in their ESP somewhere. They haven't been contacted in maybe two yeah. years just because yeah. of improper segmentation. And lo and behold, they say, oh, hey, you know, back of the envelope math as well. We have X number of contacts that haven't been contacted. Yeah. They would love to receive five emails this week. And uh, yeah. we, we know what happens next. So, you know, one of the reasons I don't worry about the Terminator AI showing up with a machine gun at the front door is that I have a reasonably good idea how crap the data in the world actually is, like everybody's email list. I mean, seriously, we, you know, we work with clients on a variety of projects and like, here, here's our data. I'm like, oh, God, this is so bad. It's awful. I mean, this is an industry that still runs on comma-separated values. Come on, people. So the killer robots are going to go, uh, this is too much work. I'm going to go do something else. Right? The data yeah, is a mess. Of, for sure. We, we probably have a couple of, uh, of types of leads. Ones that come in and say, okay, my master list is 100,000 users. Mm -hmm. What are you going to be able to do with that? And then we have leads that come and say, we're actively sending to 50K users and you kind of know, okay, so we have 50K valuable users. If somebody comes in and says, I have a 100K list, uh, what are you guys able to do for me? Then you kind of start shrugging and, oh my God, I really need to take a look into your ESP to be able to tell you anything about what we can do with that list. Because I mean, for all I know, 80% of them might be somewhere in a ditch by now. Right, right. Or, 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 uh, or the 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 precise ones you don't want to send to because they're you know a seed list that's going to screw your deliverability. Um, are you guys platform agnostic as far as ESPs as an agency? Yeah. Yep, entirely. Uh, we've worked yeah. with oh my god, everything out. Well, not everything out there because it seems like every couple of weeks there's something new that we haven't heard of. Some yeah. platform just yeah yeah using well, AI. Well, I'm not going to go <laughs> using something new, new catch, but yeah. more often not. You know, it's it's the tried and true ESPs that are moving things forward. To a degree, uh, you know, we work with Cladio. Everyone loves them. Everyone's heard of them. You know, yeah, Herbal, yeah. Braze, so on yep. and so forth. Cordial. But, you know, Cordial's a uh, fun one. Uh, we've dabbled in it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Andre's face maybe gives away a little bit of our... Very SFM. fun one. SFMC. Gonna... Yeah, no, absolutely. Salesforce is a big one in the industry yeah. and uh, definitely a reputable one. Uh, Cordial is a decent one, not our favorite. Did you ever hear about Lean Plum? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But only because they're, they're exciting. Uh, yeah. is all I want to say. Oh, that's good to hear. No, no, we had a migration that probably, uh, in a previous role, previous life, it probably took us what Alex, a year and a half to, to, to actually be able to fully migrate. And it still wasn't kind of an automatic, uh, through and through integration. It was very manual, very database driven, very, 
API grossness related. So not to throw any blame to them. Hopefully they've improved massively in the meantime, but that was fun. Let's just say it took less time to convince management to uh, consider other options before it took to finish the migration at that point in time. But again, it was a few years in the past. I don't want to, you know, talk, uh, talk anything bad about them. But It harkens back to that no controlling monopolies duopolies issue that I mentioned earlier, that there are so many email platforms. I mean, I've got a list somewhere that's at at least 180 that are that are legitimately ESPs of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, a trigger might be off for a couple of weeks because Xcoder forgot to git pull or whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, you're just in a huge mess and missing a, a big chunk of revenue and not sure where to recoup it from. So that's a big one to think about. That's where we'll put AI to use. Hey, would you just, would you keep an eye on this? Because we don't really know how it works, right? Hmm, it might be interesting. The, uh, you, you, you touched on it when you talk about triggers and get pulls and so on, but the, the value of the other part of your email program, not the, not the steady campaigns that some marketer is sweating bullets over, but the welcome message, the abandoned cart, the sort of, regular, somewhat more automated things, which are frequently the most valuable messages someone sends, get sort short shrift in many email platforms. They're kind of, oh, you can set it and forget it. You don't want to forget it, right? You really don't want to do that. Is anyone particularly good at that out in the world? The triggers? I always go back to Clavio. I hate to say it, I love them to pieces. They, nice. they have such a fantastic platform. It's very simple. It, it's simple enough for just the average marketer who has very yeah. little technical experience. You know, it'll it it'll let you know when something's going and going awry. And so, well, you know, hey, to that effect, I'd always recommend it. To, um, you're you're not you're you're praising it because it's earned the praise. Um, obviously, right? Yeah. I I've said I was talking with with a guest the other day about just about state of the art of email marketing, and my observation was that. I'm seeing I'm seeing some really cutting edge practice out of surprisingly small businesses. And when I try and ferret down, a lot of times it's like Shopify and Clavio. Like when 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 the pieces are talking to each other, you can do your job better with email. Yeah. 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 Some of the big the analytics you know, big... panel allows you to see to have very good uh, visibility into the triggers, what's happening, when is it happening? Yeah. Kind of profile centric information as well. So uh, there's a lot to love. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Well, that's good. What about uh, what's your what's your uh, philosophy at Code Crew on uh, personalization? Huge, uh, actually. And you know, I, again, I hate to. Well, let's actually let's uh, let's shift gears. Let's not say Clavio, although although they are fantastic with this one thing. Let's say Iterable. Uh, you guys definitely want to make sure that you have kind of zero party data in your ESP that you are then able to use to make your emails as custom looking as possible. So whether this looks like, I don't know, uh, hey Alex, you've got 50 loyalty points that you can use to buy X thing, or it looks like, hey Alex, here's a clothing item appropriate, let's say a, a t-shirt for, for California. And hey Matthew, here's a, a jacket that is proper for Alaska, you know, you definitely want to be able to have that sort of uh, flexibility. And, you know, for Eterball, for instance, we have previously worked with one of the biggest uh, kind of food delivery companies out there in Eterball. And it was really amazing to see how you can kind of show local based restaurants or delivery 
people and feature them and do all sorts of really cool, interesting things that we're now kind of trying to figure out on the Clavio side of things as well for our events-based client, just being able to, to show every single audience, every single demographic, an author of an event that's nearby and a way to kind of uh, get out and about and have some fun. Um, and yeah, uh, definitely something that you definitely want to look into and implement and uh, i know it can sometimes feel a bit uh, a bit daunting to even take that task on right but start with the small things figure out your biggest audiences so for instance for our for our event uh, um, business it, you don't need to go every single demographic because not every single demographic is going to be huge on both haters as of the events so uh, authors or call them what you may as well as uh, end customers. And so we feature on the intensely populated metropolis like uh, Toronto over in, in Canada and a couple of others. And then we are able to truly drive those emails to perform really, really well for those specific locales. You don't need to go kind of crazy. And if you're not sure how to insert dynamic code in your emails, well, first off, drop us a line, we can help. But then secondly, you can even start by segmenting, uh, by, by segmenting your audience and making sure that only the Toronto-based folk yeah, uh, yeah. receive the Toronto-based email. It's, <clears throat> it's very yeah. easy stuff if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you either plan or replan, to put the foundations in place to do it, right? If you've got, we, we were talking with a company the other day, I got on a call with them and I said, okay, so like, talk to me about your data. What do you know about people in your list? They have a million customers they email almost every day who love their email. And they literally said, we have their email address. That's it. Yeah. Those of you That's who are listening, Alex is just shaking his head silently on the screen here but that's that's not they're not the only ones in that boat right all we have is the email address they're not the only ones in that boat how do you personalize you don't know anything about them at all we've seen the other end of the spectrum though too you know with uh, with kind of workflows that look like there's definitely a factory somewhere that's not only extracting oil from the ground, but also processing it to make 15 different things yeah. from that raw material that they're extracting. But yeah, to your point, I mean, start with a quiz, start simple, figure something out. And then uh, something that we actually did for our our folding kayak client, they have kayaks of all sizes and, uh, and shapes and cool things. And not everybody needs the same kayak. So we started asking questions through a simple quiz. How tall are you? How often do you go kayaking? How proficient nice. are you? Do you go with anybody? And then you would start receiving a a nurture flow that basically shows you the product that you need, not all five or 10 of them, yeah. and then walks you through the entire process there. But you're not going to get 100% even on a good survey. Here's the one of the conundrums for email marketing. We can do the marketing job better knowing more about that person at the other end, but there's a limit to what they will tell us, what, what they'll spend the time to tell us. And, and there's a boundary that differs nation by nation about like what's okay to keep and what's not the you know privacy PII zero party which you mentioned first party data and you got to live you got to live uh, with a really different level of achievement record by record for that particular set of issues like, how do you reconcile that what do you do when someone says eh I don't do surveys 
that's how they end up in that list that uh, nobody touches for all the years, huh? You know, there's always a will, there's always a way. If someone yeah. is really truly engaged enough in the program, you know, they'll want to help you help themselves as well. Yeah. Um, sometimes there are contacts that you you understand, don't want to input that data, don't want to provide you with the information about themselves. Unfortunately, more often than not, they'll fall into a little bit more of a general bucket. Uh, yeah. That being said, again, make sure the emails are targeted to <clears throat> the, the general, just the consumer. Any data that you do have, even if it's scarce, you know, yeah. you, I mean, if it's hopefully more than just an email address, but again, you know, anything that you have, you can leverage. And so, yeah. you know, if someone doesn't want to fill out a survey and I can't blame them, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people too, you know, find out any cohort, any kind of associated contacts who could potentially have, you know, data that you could leverage towards that contact, sort of like a lookalike audience in Facebook, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. And and it speaks to the value, not need, the value of tying other systems in for exactly. a more holistic view of the customer. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to probably drop an email to both both Clavier and Shopify asking for 5% of any leads that come uh, after this call. But uh, I'm going to have to plug them again and just say that, for instance, an example here would be to, to Alex's excellent point. Just looking at browse data, if Alex only ever searches for socks with fries yeah. on yeah. them, yeah. it yeah. means that he probably loves socks with fries on them. Yeah. So yeah. give him more. Start checking out my either fries or socks. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Alex. I, I agree, but I would be pleasantly surprised if I were chatting with an e-com company who said, "Oh yeah, we keep track of product browsing and we feed it back into customer profile CDP, Clavio, whatever." Why? Because I know it's technically possible, but getting those frequently disparate systems to talk to each other about that is freaking hard. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of cost. And, and it seems like it's overkill. It's probably not, but it, but it seems like it. And the fact that an email system is one thing and an e-commerce system is another thing, it's kind of the root cause of the, why is this so hard? Because uh, they're completely different boxes from different vendors. They weren't actually made to work together. One of the reasons Clavio, I think, is kicking butt right now is because, well, did Shopify, $100 million investment about six months ago into Clavio, Like, those two companies play together quite intentionally, and I think it's to the benefit of their customers that they do. Did, I mean, arguably, harder to do some of this stuff with some of the big iron, traditional, large-scale systems. It's harder, speaking as a guy who's done e-commerce for a lot of decades at this point. Yeah. Well, I don't think we'll all be out of a job hanging around the email space. What do you think? We'll be good for a while. You know, it's funny. It seems as though from leads, we hear uh, a resurgence at some points in time. Sometimes we'll hear, oh, yeah, we've been doing email for forever. And, uh, you know, actually, I feel like just recently, the last three or four leads that we've spoken to have said, yeah, I just heard emails, this huge thing. You know, what's going on? How do we get into it? And it, it goes in waves. Uh, as long as you ride the waves, yeah. you're going to be you're going to be good. But uh, it's it's not going anywhere. And neither I is the human aspect. I think privacy laws and regs, particularly in the U.S., are actually likely to shove more people to pay more serious attention to email. I think there's a more than a bit, I'm trying to be polite, there's more than a bit of skepticism about some of the large social media channels, both for what seems like never stopping ratcheting of costs and for misbehavior with, you know, with customer data. And you go like, why are you giving those guys money? Invest in your email program. It's going to pay off better. Oh, good idea, right? And not all of the, what, if, here's, here's a simple example. If Congress banned TikTok, where's that budget going to go? To Code Crew, 
Find them at CodeCrew.us. Excellent. <laughs> that was genuinely an excellent as good as it but, gets. <laughs> yeah. It's a fantastic point, though. And you know, actually, funnily enough, we tried PPC in one of the social platforms for ourselves as well. Yeah. Um, and we kind of assigned it a budget to see what sticks and what happens. And, you know, the click-through rate was through the roof. So we clearly kind of knew how to 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 position the ad to actually generate click-through rates. But uh, that was about it, you know. I don't know if the, the people that clicked through were kind of 80-year-old grandmas uh, kind of looking for the next thing yeah. to knit or what, yeah. but we saw absolute zero interest from some of that generated traffic. And I understand the fact that we are in a very particular space. We are B2B. We are uh, looking for brands that are looking to continue growing and better their efforts. I understand all of that, but I still kind of feel like there's a big amount of unknown with regards to who your actual end customer is when you're spending money on these platforms. And if you manage to find yourself working with a team that can bring you good enough ROI, and by any by any means, don't 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 hear me wrong here. Generating traffic to your website and being able to capture their email address in the first place is kind of what helps us put food on the table. Sure. So it's not something that we should be laughing at. Sure. But um, at the end of the day, once you have the customer kind of on home base internally, you're talking with him, but it's not a one-on-one -on -one conversation. It's a one to very many conversation. That's a very powerful tool to have. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that not more brands are taking it seriously. And to Alex's point, it's it's from stranger industries that's that's true but we still hear the same kind of approach with uh, with some especially on the b2b side of things with some industries nowadays of oh do you actually think that email might work i mean give it a try see sure. if it works it's weird it's 2023 and you're not doing email but you have this huge list for a while i yeah. mean why have you been collecting those emails in the yeah. first place yeah 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 <laughs> they don't do any good just sitting in a you know in a table or an Excel doc somewhere. So we should probably wrap up and do, do, you know, actual other work, but what are your parting thoughts about the future of email? What do you, what do you expect to see different here? Let me put a peg on it. What do you think will be different in three years? Dre, I think you have an <laughs> idea. Shameless plug, but I'm going to let Alex tell you guys about it. Nice reverse card. Um, yeah. So, you know, who can predict the future? Nobody. That being said, it's one of the most fun things you could do. Uh, I'm not a psychic. But I'd say brand collaborations is probably going to be a really big thing. We've seen, you know, going back a little bit, just, just trying to figure out any way that you can bring more contacts into your program. There's there's always some new way to do it. Some ways are better, some ways are worse. We've seen, you know, platforms that just scrape the internet for email addresses. Probably not going to recommend that. But, you know, if, and going back to brand, brand collaborations, if you have a brand that's like-minded, potentially, or hopefully not in the very same space that you're not a competitor, but you can come together and help each other grow. I think that that's going to be a, you know, a really strong driver to help, you know, increase the size. Like Hopefully uh, yeah. you can go ahead and, you know, churn a little bit of uh, money out of these folks as well. But uh, I'd say that that's probably going to be it. You know, we've tried and we've seen so many different ways to grow your list, to keep them engaged, to have those contacts coming into your list be high value. And again, I see, you know, brand partnerships probably being the way that that happens. Yeah, and we've been working on it. You know, uh, we're trying to to get something going here. We call it, uh, lovingly, we call it Tinder for brands. We're trying to get this thing going. It's still a bit in beta. But um, yeah, it's basically going to be this place where different brands come to us. We then pair them together and we try to 
help them help each other out. So Alex gave that fun example of a, of a knife sharpening uh, brand that we work with. What if that knife sharpening brand comes into collaboration with a wine brand and with a meat yeah, sourcing brand? Absolutely. And they do an email together and everybody has a lot to win from it, right? Not only actual money from, from sending and cross-promoting each other, but new contacts that they can then continue to promote to. So yeah. we've been building this fun little thing called Crunity. Hopefully it starts helping out some more brands than just the, the few ones that we've been uh, able to work with as Code Cruise clients, because this is something that's kind of destined more for the masses rather than yeah. uh, for what a, a normal agency size can can uh, service. But yeah, that, that could be a big thing that we are seeing some brands do, but it doesn't have mass adoption yet, unfortunately. Just select brands try to do it. And it's probably because it takes such a long time to source these brands and kind of make sure that there's strong enough connection with regards to the to the scope uh, the moral values are, are there but then you're not actually competing for the same dollar that that end customer has to spend that that's an exciting concept i hope you guys knock it out of the park with that that's awesome so if someone's listening and they want to i want to talk with these guys where do they find you again so you can always find us at cocru.us all of our socials are linked at the bottom uh that being said you know just to make it quick and easy if you find us on instagram or facebook we're just cocru.us twitter is cocru.us no dot and linkedin we're cocru inc follow us talk to us we we really love always talking to every lead every contact even if we're not trying to sell you anything we'd love just nerding out so uh, hit us up wherever you can. Out, which is what we got to do. I'm I'm so glad that you guys uh, agreed to come on the uh, the show and talk this morning. I appreciate the time. We really appreciate it too. This was a lot of fun. We need to do this, what, weekly? Can we set Week up a... <laughs> weekly, absolutely. All right. My guests have been Alex and Andre from CodeCrew.us. We are out.